Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 139. It's Friday. That means we're at the end of another beautiful week. Dominic, we haven't caught up with each other in a few days. How have you been? What's been going on with you? It has been a few days, my friend. It's so great to be here in the studio with you for the weekend preview. And it's been a good week. Um, nothing too crazy going on. A little golf extravaganza on Monday. Uh, actually, wearing my glasses currently, if you guys can't tell, uh, because I'm taking some eye medication. If you, if you know me, I have my uh, pros and cons with my eyes, my battles here and there. Yeah, Noah yeah. knows especially. So uh, maybe next week I'll be back to the contacts. So enjoy the glasses while they last there. But uh, it's been a good week, my friend. It's great to catch up with you. The first week of fantasy football is over with. I won in one league, lost in another. How have you been doing this week? Well, I'm not talking about fantasy football again. You will I'm not sorry. bring me to that to, level. I just had to give everyone the update yeah. on the first week. That's you had I mean. to give everybody an update on the Dominators. I get it. Exactly. Your favorite team. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, it's been a good week. <laughs> what Uneventful, <laughs> as I'm sure Dominic can picture based on what i told him off uh off camera but um not a lot going on for me this week just really been just waiting with anticipation for the next time i could step in the studio right. and record another episode with the king Lee. and we're back here again for the friday edition that means this episode is the mma weekend preview it's back after one week off Mm. obviously a week ago today we did a reddit roundtable appreciate the support on that episode a lot of fun oh, a lot of fun with the reddit roundtables and um you know that was just because we didn't have enough to really feel like we could talk about for a whole episode um that monday weekend recap was kind of barely able to be an episode yeah. really i mean we were we were struggling to find enough to talk about uh to make that an episode but by golly <laughs> We persevered. We're back. Yep. So, Dominic, anything to go over before we hop straight into the fight announcements? I think we get right into the MMA action, baby. Let's do it. This this is all December. You know, the lead up, 25 days of Christmas, 25 <laughs> days of fights. It starts on December 4th with quite a fun fight, oh, in my baby. opinion. Brad Tavares versus Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen gets his first shot at top 15. It's what he wanted. It's what he called for. He gets it here with the veteran Brad Tavares, who, I might add, has looked pretty good at his last couple outings. What do you yeah. think of this one on December 4th? I love this one, man. It's, you know, for Tavares, a guy that's just always been in there in the toughest of fights, fought the toughest of guys, and he's always in that 10 to 15 range where he's super durable. He'll lose big fights, but also win some. He's been looking really good as of late. Brendan Allen finally has chance to crack into the top 15. He's saying a lot of people didn't want to fight him. Brad Tavares is surely the guy to welcome him into the rankings. I think it's going to be a very fun one, a big test to see where Brendan's at. He's still very young in his career, but very experienced at the same time. And as I said with Tavares, he's been there and done that. Can he stop another young up-and-comer and maybe launch himself back into the top 10? I think that's a great fight. Yeah, Brad Tavares has kind of struggled with uh, activity over the last mm -hmm. couple of years. He's been a little more inconsistent in how often he's fighting, but that seems to have been straightened out this year. I think this he's fought 
I think he's fought twice this year. Maybe only once, but he did fight. If not twice, he fought late in the 2020. Mm -hmm. So it, it appears that he is kind of back on track, which is just something you like to see because Brad Tavares always comes in looking to put on a good fight. Yeah, And, you know, Brendan Allen does the same. We had a big setback with Allen. At least we thought at the time it was a big setback when he lost to Sean Strickland. And now looking how far Sean Strickland has taken it. Yeah. Doesn't look too bad now. But I digress. A day later, December 5th. This is about 1FC, their 10-year anniversary, a.k.a. this event will be called 1X. Yes. Bam. Boom. Oops. Sorry. I, touched, I bumped my <laughs> mic a little bit there. I was so waiting sorry. on the whole mic to just collapse. On me. <laughs> um, so December 5th, we had this event announced. This was announced on Ariel Hawani's relaunched MMA Hour, um, the the – I guess president owner of one FC. I don't know what his official title is. He has all the, titles. he came on there. Yeah. He came on there at the very beginning to sort of, uh, announce this event and some of the fights for it. So you got Gary Tonin versus Don Lee on there. Gary Tonin, a, a master or a, a, I guess legend in the submission grappling world. Um, you got the Bantamweight title on the line. Viviano Fernandez looking to defend against John Lineker, UFC veteran. That one should yep. be fun. But the one we're going to really talk about here, Dominic, this four-round special rules super fight between mm. Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson and Rotang, the, I believe, still current one flyweight Muay Thai champion, yeah. probably one of the best, most terrifying Muay Thai fighters in history yes they have a special four round fight where rounds one and three will be under muay thai rules and two and four under an mma rule set so dominic this is just a a interesting interesting (laughs) i guess fight here and and you know i we've had a lot of time i mean i guess a whole day right (laughs) all the time to digest yeah let it digest so now that we have, are you in support of this? Because I think that there is going to be, I, I haven't heard a lot of it. I was surprised. I thought there might be some people that would kind of be against this a little bit. This, um, Just because is it really the, is it the best use of either guy in terms of their competitive nature? Like it's a bit of a freak show fight in a way it's kind of being put together. You know, neither neither one really committing to the other's realm. You know, it's like a half and half MMA Muay Thai fight. So, you know, there is a bit of like, okay, why isn't Demetrius Johnson trying to get another fight that pushes him closer to fighting Adriano Marais again? And then why isn't Rotang defending his Muay Thai title again? Like that's, these are just some things I could see coming up, but I haven't seen a lot of it. Yeah. So now that I've kind of given you that, that, good and bad there where do you fall in line on this one yeah so when it got announced definitely surprising obviously we've been following dj at least as much as we can being that he's in one championship now so the time difference doesn't help us but we try and you know he's had his ups he's had his downs obviously and for rotating a guy we've never really got to see compete before especially in the muay thai realm this is a very interesting fight um and at first i was like "Mm, do i like this but the more i have let it digest and just 
really look into it. I like it. It's kind of like a legacy fight for both of these guys where there's not a lot of negative outcome in this, but it's two legends going in there. And then the fact that it's special rules is super unique. You don't see that at all, really, well, ever with PFL, Bellator, UFC, yada, yada, yada. But one has always done things like this, and they have their own Muay Thai champions. They have their own MMA champions, so on and so forth. Um, but to get two huge names to compete in something like this is what makes it very unique. It's going to pull a lot of eyeballs toward it. Uh, I got to say, man, after some time, I really do like it. I think it's going to be fun. How will DJ Fair with literally one of the best Muay Thai practitioners the world has ever seen? How will Rotang Fair against one of the greatest MMA talents the world has ever seen? It's two absolute legends going at it in a clash. The 10-year anniversary of one. You can't really make a much bigger main event if you ask me for one championship. Yeah, I, I actually have kind of fallen in love with this fight. Yeah. Just I love how different it is. It's, if this was something that the UFC tried to do, I might not be as on board with it because <laughs> I am someone that I typically I don't I don't like uh the, you know I like my standard three right. five round MMA fights you know same rules all that I don't like a lot of change man in in that kind of structure but with the promotion like One FC who already has a Muay Thai division they have mm-hmm. a kickboxing division it makes sense to branch out like this and you have a huge star in Demetrius Johnson I guess in in comparison to your other talents he's a big right. star and then Rotang. For the hardcore audience of 1FC and for anybody who watches Muay Thai, they know what a legend he is. And Rotang, funny enough, he's had a few kickboxing bouts at one, and his whole intention, at least from what I understand, is he wants to become a three-sport, I guess. Champion. Champion. So this is a big test for him in that I believe it's his first official even – partway professional MMA fight. So if he can, you know, if if it goes to a second round or fourth round, we'll maybe get to see what kind of grappling he has. And that's going to be more important because I don't think anybody's really expecting round one to go in Demetrius Johnson's favor. You know, he's a good striker, but you're literally under a Muay Thai rule set, which is that guy's bread and butter. So as long as he can survive round one, I'll, I think the battle gets really interesting in round two. Demetrius Johnson is going to be looking for those takedowns, looking to really test the grappling of Rotang. And ultimately, if Rotang doesn't get submitted, that's a win. Oh, 100%. Because DJ's so, a phenomenal grappler. So Exactly. And I do love this fight. I really do. I think it's just – I think it's good for one. It's good for the, the, the sport of MMA and Muay Thai mm-hmm. to kind of – have this kind of crossover. It's a lot better than what one tried to do a couple years ago when they brought Floyd Mayweather in to box one of their kickboxing champions in tension. Right. Like, it, this just feels more natural. It feels better for the sport. Um, looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. We'll be covering 1X for sure. Now oh, that, yeah. That announcement got made. So our last fight announcement here, December 11th, UFC 269. Dominic, we have to learn our lesson not to talk about fights before they're official. A little change up here. Yep. We we had we had talked about on our show how Brandon Moreno would be defending on this card against Alexandre Pantoja. Eh-eh, <laughs> UFC said. Pantoja's actually Pantoja said, nah, I can't. Yeah, can't make it. And um because of that, 
we're getting a trilogy belt. Oh boy. We started this trilogy at the very last pay-per-view of 2020. And the trilogy comes to a close at the end of 2021. Mm -hmm. Brandon Moreno looks to make his first defense against the man he took the belt from in dominant fashion, Davison Figueredo. So, Dominic, I, I think it's very clear that when it comes to immediate rematches, I'm never a fan. I've made right. I've said that. I was a fan of this felt this bout being booked a second time because you didn't really have a winner at the of first course. fight. It was a draw. So I was a fan of that. But then once Marina won and won with such a stamp mm-hmm. on that fight, I, I'm I've told everybody I don't like immediate rematches. It's just not I just don't think it usually I don't think it's usually in the guy who I guess is um looking to win the belt. I don't think it's ever in their best interest to get that immediate rematch. Like it just you think it is because it's like, oh, I get another shot at the belt. But typically they lose those belts because they've had no time to really grow and right. um, find ways to, I guess, better prepare. You know, they haven't fought anybody else. So they're it's just not a really good recipe for having success in those kind of matchups. However, in this situation, I have to say, like, I don't really see where else the UFC could have went here. Pantoja wasn't available. I believe Askar Askarov is injured. Yeah, and that's what it if, looks like. If, if that's not the case, I would still even say that even though Davison's had his problems, for sure, and I really don't want to see him go to 125 pounds again, Yeah, Askar Askarov missed weight in his last fight. Yeah. So I think that kind of set him back in terms of the UFC. They have to be able to trust him to at least make weight for his title fight because let's be clear – Askar Askarov isn't going to be breaking the box office by being in a title fight. Right. So that they, they, they at least need him to be dependable. And he hasn't fought since then. I, I kind of understand here. And you look down the list, there's really nobody else that makes sense here. Yeah. So, Dominic, uh, what are you okay with this fight being re, rebooked? Is there someone else that maybe you feel like should have been in here instead, considering Pantoja isn't able to be here? No, man. I mean, I'm fine with this. If it's not Pantoja, Figueredo, you know, he's the guy that was so dominant as a champion for a short time, but he was dominant while he was champ. Um, mm-hmm. And then, to you know, the first fight with Moreno was legendary. The best flyweight fight of all time. Arguably one of the top 10 greatest fights. Absolutely unbelievable. And while Moreno dominated in the rematch, it was still a fun fight while it lasted. Um, so will Figgy be able to make the proper adjustments? Can he regain that title? Uh, only time will tell. But yeah, with Pantoja out, I think this is the 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 thing that makes the most sense. If Moreno's ready to fight and he wants to defend before the year's over, who's gonna do it? We'll get Figgy in there. Obviously, you can't do you know Cody dropping down, he's fighting Kaikar France. I think it's in December as well. So mm-hmm. that fight all of a sudden looks like it has even more implications. I don't know if Pantoja's injured, he just wasn't ready for December. So you'd think he's probably next up regardless. But I digress. I'm ready for it. Another trilogy. I feel like we've been getting a lot of them this past year. So uh, why not add another one to the history books? Not only trilogies, I think a lot of, I guess, controversial rematches, immediate rematches at that. You got Zhang Wei Li getting an yeah. immediate rematch with Rose. Jorge Masvidal got an immediate rematch with Kamara Usman. Mm-hmm. Some people, like that. I think that's, I don't know if that's a, a, just a trend this year, if that's a, what you normally see, but. Uh, uh, again, I've I've been kind of 
I've kind of grown. I grew on the Masvidal Usman fight, and right. I'm not against the whole Whaley Rose thing, like a lot of people are. So I'm not too upset about it. But I do think you are. I have been seeing a lot of controversy with these this kind of booking online. But at the other day, people speak with their wallets, and people yeah. are going to buy this fight due to the fact that the first fight was amazing. Second fight had such a feel-good win to it. Yep. You know, those are two iconic moments in our sports history. So yeah. I think the third fight will do well on that pay-per-view event. Um, that's going to wrap it up here for the fight announcements. And we're going to get into a new promotion. Say what now? Yeah. This is, once again, from the desk of Ariel Hawani. So shout-out to Ariel Hawani for the – for uh, boosting our profile for this episode of this. <laughs> right. Um so I'm just gonna read what he had put on his Substack, like the, yeah. the what the report is. According to sources, a number of influential industry individuals have come together to create a new MMA league that is structured more like the NBA, NHL, NFL rather than your typical MMA promotion. This new league would include an athlete, an athlete, an athlete association. Excuse me. Would also, in, or hold on, they got the line. <laughs> this new league would also include an athlete association that implements a CBA yep. with 50-50 revenue share, Hello. guaranteed contracts, health insurance, career-ending insurance, and a pension plan. The plan is to announce the venture in the coming days. They are hoping to launch in 2023. So this came out yesterday, like yesterday morning, and we were kind of hoping that we'd probably have more details to yeah. talk about today. However, there was a little bit more because, on once again, Ariel's, uh, he does like a Q&A after a lot of his episodes yeah. now. Um, he got a text from one of the guys who said, hey, you can, you can give this even though they're not ready to be like unveiled as who they are, I guess. Uh, basically, the setup is going to be, and we've seen this in the past work terribly, <laughs> to preface. <laughs> so when I heard this, I was kind of like, oh, no. Right. But it's going to be like you're going to have like the you know teams. Mm-hmm. So you'll have like these owners that own teams. And they said through a free agency or a draft – will have rosters of fighters that will essentially compete with the other teams. Yes. Yeah. Now, Dominic, I've, I've unveiled all this. I've given you a lot of details here. There's a lot to kind of go through. Where does your mind go when you hear this? Are you optimistic about this new venture? Are you a little pessimistic? Where Where does your mind go when you hear about this new motion um so i do think that competition is great for the world and sport of mma obviously pfl bellator ufc one championship Ryzen, lfa all the fun stuff competition is good because you get to see more talent more names um, more money so on and so forth so when you look at this initially and you see oh you know we've got an athlete association with a collective bargaining agreement 50 50 revenue uh, insurance, pension plans, all this stuff, you think, well, that's incredible because we've really not seen anything like that before in MMA, no matter what promotion you cross. So mm-hmm. that's awesome in terms of the fighters, their careers, their lives after fighting. That's incredible news. Um, 
Now, in terms of the breakdown of how the league may work with teams, that's interesting to me because fighting is the most one-on-one individual sport you can find. You know what I mean? Outside, yeah. obviously, wrestling and all the combat sports are one-on-one essentially. Um, so it's weird. I get it in terms of like, okay, we're gonna have an owner with the team. So do we have one heavyweight, one light heavyweight, so on and so forth, like one fighter from each weight class, and then we're gonna fight, you know, this team over here and fight his heavyweight. And then it's like, how do you determine who's the best? Is there a regular season playoffs championship in terms of like kind of how the PFL does it? They don't have teams. Yeah, but they have I mean, the I think that's, and stuff. that's the understanding. So that's what I imagine it would work like, um, which, you know, is definitely interesting. I like unique things like that. The PFL always pulls me in with the way they do there. So this could always pull me in too. Um, we'll kind of see how the unveiling goes of it. I don't want to be super optimistic because at the end of the day it is very hard to just start up a promotion now if it's a lot one other thing that's very interesting is that it says a number of influential industry individuals are we talking former fighters former coaches trainers uh people that have been in the ufc and now they're you know in other promotions like who what is this i mean it might be just a group it might just be a group of executives well, obviously that in terms of the money, but <laughs> in terms That's... of like the, are, are we going to have coaches of these teams? Like there's just a lot mm. of questions here in terms of how it will play out. I can't say I'm not intrigued. Obviously I can't wait to find out further information. And again, if all of this is true in terms of the benefits for fighters, that's the biggest takeaway here for me in hopes that, you know, it does turn out successful. So we'll see. It's definitely going to throw a wrench into some things. It's going to, uh, add a little bit more spice on the weekends for MMA fighting, especially that it's going to come in potentially, you know, less than two years now. So we'll see what happens. But that's my initial thoughts right now with not much more information than what you have read. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It It's it's fair to be one way or the other if you're optimistic, pessimistic about it. I mean, that's completely fair. We've seen some promotions. You know, there's still some here today. Bellator, PFL, one. You know, 1FC is about to celebrate 10-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Bellator has been around for probably about 15 years. I think 14, 15, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these promotions started out in the same in the same sort of way. And, you know, it's, it is it is a viable business opportunity. But this model, I'm just – I'm not 100% sure of this model. And I'm not even talking about the benefits here. I'm talking about – this structure of like a NBA, NFL, NHL league type system. I just don't know if it's works for fighting. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it feels like the, the UFC has done such a good job of getting their, their brand and the, the sport of MMA onto the level. Like it's at least closer than it's ever been mm-hmm. to the level of, Major League Baseball. Mainstream sports, yeah. Uh, if you let me finish, yes. I'm just kidding. But, uh, yes, to the level of mainstream sports. And the thing is, though, at the end of the day, the professional fighters, while they are athletes, and some of them are very athletic athletes at that, they are they're a lot different than, like, professional football players and professional basketball players. I mean, kind of like there's just, it it takes a a special kind of person 
to decide that they want to make a living by delivering punishment and taking punishment in a cage for your mm-hmm. life. I mean, that's these these guys. These aren't just like guys that love to you know shoot basketballs and play like basketball or you know football is a bit of a contact sport, but like not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot different type of mindset to get into that. Yeah. So I just don't think that this by trying to like almost co- like turn it into like a like a team sport like you know the the MMA's version of the Boston Celtics like I just don't see that happening. No, it's just, no. But I admire the the effort here and I admire the, a lot of the benefits that are uh, supposed to come along with this venture including like 50-50 revenue share and those guaranteed contracts. I mean that's unprecedented. Yeah. You've never seen promotions really do that. The whole problem I have with is if this promotion wants to grow, they this is not the fastest moving model to get it to get growth. I mean, just mm-hmm. to be honest, you're competing against the UFC, who for one, and other promotions who have years on you. But you're gonna be the one that's like the most giving. So right. therefore, I mean, the UFC has grown as much as it has because of their model, which underpays its fighters more than likely. But it's that's what's got them so much growth is that they are retaining so much of their earnings. Mm-hmm. So by allowing 50% of your revenue to go to the fighters as a growing promotion, it's not going to be the fastest growing promotion out there. So I just want people's expectations to be in check. I mm-hmm. admire the effort. I hope it works out, and I'll, I would love to support it in any way that we can. But I want people to – like I saw people saying, like, oh, Dana's shaking right now. Mm-hmm. Guys, he, Far he, from. Does, he does not care. Yeah. He, 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 that man probably doesn't even know yeah. this is going on. Maybe somewhere down the line, years and years from now, if all goes well, this promotion – could basically either one overtake the industry or more likely make a big enough splash that the UFC Bellator, these other more established promotions may have to change some of their policies to right. make themselves more reliable to its fighters, which would be awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I like it, uh, but I'm, I'm more, I'm a little cautious of uh, getting, you know, over excited about it agreed oh yeah it's the best way you really can put it mm-hmm. let's move on to the contender series <sighs> week three mm-hmm. dominic it's 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 like christmas for you every week every tuesday and we're three weeks in mm-hmm. there has been one contract given for every fight yeah for every fight that's been had and now look guys i know i've been that guy that's been a bit I've been pooing on the contender series a little bit even though I still enjoy it I I went to the lab I went to the kitchen cooked up a new recipe decided yeah. this is how I'm going to watch you know I'm going <laughs> to mental switch find my inner zen and I watched <laughs> these and it was the most enjoyment I probably had watching contender <sighs> series probably since I've started watching I mean really if I'm being 100% honest this is like the first season that I've like really stuck to watching it week in, week out. Mm-hmm. 
in this week, while I'm still going to have a complaint, <laughs> right, right, I I was able to just kind of go, man, these are great bites. Or yeah, what a, what a knockout, what a submission. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why I should say there was no knockouts on this one, all subs. Yeah. But um, I just you know I just had a, I lived in the moment, man. I love I just it. enjoyed I just enjoyed the fights. Yeah. So Dominic, five contracts given out for six fights. We did have our first winner to not receive a contract, Mr. Mo Miller from Canton, Ohio. Yeah, Canton shout stand out. Up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, regardless, Dominic, what were your thoughts? Any performances that stand out to you? And um, yeah, I'll just let you take, go where you want to go with it. Yeah, man, my biggest standout performance week three, Jack, Della, Madalena. I'm not going to mention any other names. Noah, I'll let you <laughs> do your thing. Um, but yeah, he was my biggest standout performance, an absolute barn burner, one of the greatest fights, if not the greatest. We'd have, there's a lot of fights on Contender Series, so I'm just going to say one of the best fights we've ever seen on Tuesday Night Contender. Absolutely amazing uh, against Ange Lusa. An incredible bout where Jack found himself uh, facing a lot of adversity, eating shots on the ground or on the feet, escaped a very tight triangle choke submission or arm triangle choke uh, on the ground. So I love when we can see these young guys not only look incredible, but also face adversity at the same time, because you realize that as they continue to climb these ranks, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be, oh, I'm just going to go in and cleanly knock out this guy or submit this guy there's going to be adversity as they climb the ranks. So we see it early in their career. What can they do? And Jack Della Madalena uh, checked all the boxes, man. His striking, super clean, technical, powerful, precise, showed great takedown defense. He just, he looked like a guy that you can see fighting in the rankings come one day that he can really test himself with some of these guys. I look at him as almost like, you know, the Danny gay who cracked into the top 10 and he can fight these top guys. That's what I got here from Jack uh, Della Madalena. And not that you don't see this often with contender series fights because they're great fighters. That's why they're on this show. That's why they're in the biggest job interview, quote unquote, uh, that they call it. But rarely do I feel as I watch where I'm like, okay, this guy or girl felt very special. And that's what I felt watching this one. An absolute barn burner of a fight. Very young Australian market behind him. We know how big that's been getting with the UFC and MMA in general lately. So Jack Della Madalena, the biggest performance, biggest standout for me of week three of the contender series. Well said. I, I definitely agree when it comes to Jack in terms of his boxing, mm. just expert level, man. I mean, yeah. the guys, some of the combinations he was throwing were just so well-timed and well-executed. Yeah. And um, Anglosa, to his credit, I expect him to be back. Oh, uh, yeah. training partner of Kamara Usman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this fight was so good that people online were calling for both guys to get a contract. Dana yeah. didn't even really acknowledge it. Um, I, I was calling he for gave, it. He gave a loser a contract in week one, Yeah, but uh, didn't do it here. However, my biggest standout, it's got to be, as soon as I saw the hair-beard combination, <laughs> I knew it was game over. <laughs> As Albert Durayev, literally, mm-hmm. this dude reminds me literally of Hamzat, and not just how he looks, but how he fights, how he yeah. acts, everything. These guys just—it's like a factory that are cooking these guys out, man. It's they crazy. Smash. Yeah, Albert Durayev came in here and was scary good in his grappling. I mean, just swarmed Kyo Bittencourt, dragged him to the ground, was able to basically 
pin his arm behind his back with and just pummel his face with just little mm-hmm. rabbit Man. punches. But they were hurting, obviously. Oh, yeah. Just did that. And, I mean, just it completely overwhelms him. Eventually gets the rear naked choke halfway through the first round. This was a a performance that made me go, oh, shit. Yeah. This guy's this guy's going to make a big splash here. Uh, do I have a little note about him? He had a uh, falling out with a different promotion. Uh, he's basically been UFC ready, they said, for about three years. But due to this kind of contract dispute he was in with one promotion and also the pandemic, it's kind of prevented him from making a quicker, yeah. I guess, debut. So, like, this guy is well advanced, probably too far along to even be starting on contender series. But, yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's where you're going with the contender series. You're starting to get guys that even if they know they're UFC ready, they're still going to make them go through the ringer here and yeah. prove it with the one fight. And um, you saw the highs and lows of that because Mo Miller's being the one guy that didn't get the contract. And I told Don, off camera I was a little bit – more defensive i think when me and dominic were talking about it but truthfully did he deserve should he have gotten a contract we could debate it maybe not but he was a guy that came in here with a lot of expectations probably one of the more advanced guys to have come on the show i know he was only like six and oh coming in here but in terms of his pedigree and his background i mean he was a uh, all-american wrestler from uh, notre dame college uh, in Ohio, and he dominated this fight, but it was one of those performances that Dana notoriously doesn't like to really yeah. give credit for, and that's that he he was able to basically take down Brandon Lewis, his opponent, at will, and we knew that the grappling was ace sharp. Yeah, yeah. But anytime he had a chance to maybe show what he could do on the feet or – once he got it to the ground where it came time to maybe do some ground and pound, he tended to just play it a little safe in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately where you saw the lack of a contract given out. I don't really agree with Dana's estimation of the fight where he kind of said, Oh, I just don't know if he's quite ready yet. I was kind of like, I think he's ready. I mean, he's right. It's the Bantamweight division, which is the one of the tougher divisions out there. But considering he's a grapple heavy fighter i think that would actually bode well for him in that division i agree Uh, however i think i understand not giving him a contract what i don't understand is i felt like he was more impressive than someone who did get a contract on this episode and that's Mm -hmm. the heavyweight everybody's kind of talked about it already lucas bruski i think that's how you pronounce his last name lucas bresky maybe that's what it is he got the submission win over dylan potter the phantom tap (laughs) Yeah, I clearly, I clearly time. felt the tap is what mm-hmm. Lucas Bresky said, and um, yeah, this, these were two heavyweights slinging lunch boxes at one another. The problem I have here is that Dylan Potter stepped in on just a couple days' notice, yeah. and Bresky still didn't really show me anything. I mean, there was really nothing here. Like he, in the first round, he started out kind of strong, landing some good shots at range, but then he gassed pretty quickly and obviously his Mm -hmm. opponent did too. And Dylan Potter was to his credit able to withstand more punishment than maybe a lot of these guys that come on here will be able to do. But 
it kind of just turned into both guys kind of throwing the same exchange at one another, just mm-hmm. hard overhand rights. I mean, it it became a very boring fight, basically after about the halfway point of the first round. Yeah, Bresky did get the submission win, and I know his opponent didn't tap, but let's be honest, he probably would have tapped or went right. to sleep in a few seconds, or if he somehow got out of it, I think that fight was just going to go to a decision. Yeah. I'm not impressed, to be honest. I mean, I I I will say like you could I I don't envy Dana's situation here because you have to look these fighters in the face. And, oh, um, I know, man. Whether they're getting that opportunity and Bresky when he came up, he had the real wide-eyed look, and I was like, yeah, uh, man. I'm like, this guy ain't getting a contract, and then he did, yeah. and I was like, what? and was poor Mo Miller. And then, oh my God! When Mo Miller came up, and he was like, "I, just, I can't imagine being the only guy so far, the only yeah. winner, and even one loser got a contract." Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't. I just felt it was a weird one to kind of. I get that that's not the most. That's not the kind of performance I guess you want to reward on Contender Series, and maybe so, but. To not give him a contract, but then to give one to that heavyweight yeah. Bresky. And I would even argue the women's flyweight, Jasmine J- Jazuda Vicious, I believe is how you Jazuda mm. Vicious. Um, she looked good, but I saw a lot of holes in her win as well, you know. Yeah. Luckily, she was going up against Julia Palastri, who Palastri had moments where on the feet, she, she was good. landing flush. Yeah. Problem is she was throwing with like no power behind it. Like she landed some head kicks, but they mm-hmm. were like love taps. And I'm like, if you threw some power behind that, that could have been it. Yeah. And um, because of that, basically if I was ranking the performances, like how Michael Bisping kind of did in this episode, I would have went do number one, Almeida number two, Madalena number three, those three though, being like, a level yeah, above. like four, yeah, 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 and then four. I would have had Mo Miller, then Jasmine, and then Bresky. So mm-hmm. it just felt a little weird that like the number four guy was the one that got excluded from the contracts here. Right. But again, I'm trying to be, you know, it feels weird after complaining about so many contracts being given out to now do a reverse <laughs> and be like, yeah. well, now I'm upset that this guy didn't get a contract. It's just I'm not really upset by it. I think he will bounce back. I yeah. will actually be on the lookout for Mo Miller now to see if maybe he signs with Bellator or PFL, wherever, or maybe in the springtime or slash beginning of summer if they do another contender series. Yeah, will he be back? Will he be back? Because he Dana basically said, you know, you get two more wins, probably bring you back. Yeah. And Stipe is big on this guy, so he's yep. got a lot of championship pedigree behind him. So. I, I want to give some respect. I just wanted to give some respect to the Ohio boy, Mo of Miller, because Dana spit in his face. <laughs> OHIO, uh, baby. Yeah, but Durayev for sure being my standout. If you basically, guys, if you see a man that doesn't have hair and he's got a, the big neck beard with just no run. mustache, yeah, just run. Run, run like fast. You, you're not going to, you're going to be taken in the deep waters and smashed. Yes. To it. say the least. Any other uh, moments of contender series to talk about, Dominic? There is one, Noah. Yeah, and that I- is a new ring announcer, baby, Justin Bernard. And I've got to say, 
quite incredible. Deep voice. Fantastic. Fantastic ring announcer. I think he'll be a great addition to the rest of the contender series, assuming that's what they're going to do. I'm, I'm guessing they're doing that to kind of give Laura Senko just a little a little break because she does a yeah. lot on these Tuesday night yeah, cards. She's doing sure. color commentary, interviewing fighters, all that stuff. So can we get Justin Bernard to do the ring announcing for contender? If he keeps doing well, squeeze him in on a couple fight nights uh, along with Martinez and then, of course, Bruce Buffer. We got a good trio of ring announcers now in the UFC. So I had to shout out. Justin Bernard for a standout performance on week three of the contender series. I agree. I'm going to give another standout performance here. Dana White's post fight press conference performance. Oh yeah. He was on one. Wasn't he? Um, Let me just say, I I'm surprised that more people weren't taking my side on this, but uh, his response to Jake Paul after Jake Paul has been kind of look, Jake Paul has been shitting on Dana. Yeah. I mean, he has been throwing some zingers at Dana, mm-hmm. like some, some really hard-hitting stuff. And with Dana to turn around and say, like, Anderson Silva's available, Jake, right. Jake, 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 I'm not going to lie. I was like, that's a 10-8 for Dana. Man. I gotta, that's a 10-8. I mean, he literally is calling you on your bluff there a little bit, Jake. Basically. And I will say Jake did kind of come out and throw a response in there. Did you see his uh, – he had a Chael Sonnen-like call-out for Dana White and Jorge Masvidal. Did you see it? I may not have. Can you refresh me? Yeah, so actually I'm going to pull it up on Twitter. I know we don't love to talk about, you know, Jake Paul. But look stuff, at us. We've changed. <laughs> it's Well, just – I mean, you can't help it when Jorge Masvidal is getting yeah. involved in this. Oh, yeah. and, so he posted basically um, – Now so this was the, after the Contender Series? Yeah, so this was, okay. this was yesterday. Okay. So he, Jake Paul tweeted like at Dana White, why are you so scared to get embarrassed? And then it's like a, a note that has more typed out and um, it has in quotations, Anderson's out, Jake, Jake, Jake. And he says, I want your star talent. You're in their prime strikers so I can exploit their lack of boxing ability. So let's do this. Me versus Jorge Masvidal and Amanda Serrano versus Amanda Nunes. If we win, you let any of your fighters fight me going forward. If we lose, I leave you and your exploitive business alone. Dana, Dana, Dana. That that's that literally reminded me of the call-out of Chael Sonnen versus, when he called out Anderson yep. the second time. Yep. If you beat me, I leave, leave the, U- the U- UFC. <laughs> That's what this uh, look. I mean, it's pro wrestling, guys. That's what it's turning into. So, uh, yeah, I won't really. T- I just wanted to know if uh, I, I saw that and I was like, okay, but like, why won't you fight Anderson Silva? See what happens on Tuesday nights, baby. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs to watch Contender Series, it's really entertaining as oh, long yeah. as you don't focus on the contracts like me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on from that, we're gonna actually get into the action of the weekend to look forward to it starts with the biggest fight of the weekend Mm -hmm. bellator 266 yes (laughs) they have officially surpassed the ufc and they have (laughs) they spent years doing friday and saturday (laughs) cards or they were basically doing two numbered events per week for a while like and they it all have, paid off. They have finally. I've been. I've been wondering when this day was going to come, and here we are, and it's headlined: 
but a soldier of God, oh. Yoel Romero. And he gets his debut fight here for the promotion against number three ranked Phil Davis. Phil Davis, of course, former UFC veteran as well. Yeah. Um, and former, I didn't know, I've, I've made this mistake once on this podcast. He is the former Bellator light heavyweight champion, just to be clear. So, Dominic, let's get into this fight because this is the biggest fight for MMA this weekend, in my opinion. So, shout out to Bellator yeah. for having a couple of those under their belt this year. Yeah, true. Where did you, in your mind, I almost coughed right there, so <laughs> kind of grunting. Um, when you're looking at this fight, mm-hmm. I guess, who do you kind of, how do you see this fight going? And is this a good debut for Yoel Romero, or is it a bit of, is it a bit too much of a risk? Is there, is there better, you know, obviously we missed out on the Rumble Johnson debut fight, but is this like a good, you know, second, I guess, attempt at a debut fight here against Phil Davis? Yeah, I think this is fantastic for Romero because obviously we know he fell short or fell out of his fight in May uh, due to the eye injury. So if you're the if you're Bellator here, you kind of got to look. Okay, we got the Grand Prix going on. So how can we how can we get Yoel into this division and really catapult him in? Well, enter Phil Davis, who lost in the first round of the Grand Prix to current champion Vadim Nimkov. So he's ready to fight again, and it's going to be one of the biggest fights of Phil Davis's career in terms of a name value opponent and Yoel Romero welcoming him to Bellator, proving he can still hang with not only UFC talent, but Bellator, of course. So uh, I think this is a great fight. Phil Davis, a guy that been around for a long time, a lot of fights, a lot of fights in the UFC, a lot of fights in Bellator, former champion, a perennial contender, really, in both of the organizations, 22 and 6, a guy that has good grappling, a long, rangy guy. So, you know, it, it is a good test because Yoel, he's coming up. We've never seen him at light heavyweight before. This is... Really intriguing aspect of the fight for me because we know how strong he is. We know how powerful, how explosive he is. Is he still going to have that speed? Is he still going to be able to have cardio to go with Phil Davis, who's so used to this weight class? Time will tell. We'll see this weekend, of course. But uh, Yoel, obviously a fantastic wrestler, a former Olympic silver medalist, challenged for titles in the UFC all the time. It felt like every fight he had was a title fight. Unless he missed weight, then it wasn't for him, but it was for his opponent. I digress. Um but a very explosive. He has knockout power, 11 finishes by knockout. So I think it is a very, very good welcoming because if Yoel wins, and obviously if you're Bellator, you're thinking, well, this is a future star. I know he's 44, but he's still one of the biggest stars, or can be, I should say, one of the biggest stars in their promotion. So if he beats Phil Davis, he's launched into the top three of their rankings, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, is he going to await the champion of the Grand Prix? Like, what are we going to do with him here? Or fight another guy that loses from the Grand Prix. So uh, it's big for Bellator. It's a good fight for Yoel. And again, for Davis, an opportunity to beat a former UFC title challenger, um, keep himself in talks of the elite in the light heavyweight division in Bellator as well. And stylistically, man, I think it is uh, interesting because there's a lot of intangibles here with the wrestling, with the striking. You got a rangy guy that likes the distance and work for the takedowns where you well, we don't really see the guy get taken down much. So can Davis get him to the ground? Can he hold him there? Uh, is Joel going to use some of his offensive wrestling? Cause as good as he is, you don't see it much. He loves striking and getting into barn burners. 
outside of his fight with Israel Adesanya. We won't talk about it. So uh, I, I really do like this fight. It's the biggest fight of the weekend for MMA, as Noah said. And I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's the long-awaited debut of Yoel Romero and Bellator. See, I'm actually not as uh, thrilled, I guess, about this matchup. Mostly because I think it's just a big risk here. And I'm not talking about Yoel Romero if he loses. Everybody knows that, like, I don't like giving matchups, so I'm glad that he's being matched up against a tough opponent, and you know he's gonna have to prove it. Yeah. The problem is, Bill Davis is a son of a bitch, <laughs> because even when you beat Phil Davis, it's kind of like back in the day if you had to face the final boss. And I'm gonna specifically talk about Mortal Kombat, even though Dominic, I know you haven't played it. <sighs> Whenever you face Shao Kahn in, in, in Mortal Kombat, he is such a son of a bitch to try to beat that you basically have to find like one thing that works and spam it. Yeah. So then once you beat him, it's like, well, I didn't really feel like I won. It kind of just felt like I exploited a weakness in the fucking game system or something. Yeah. That's how beating Phil Davis must feel like. Because nobody who beats him looks good doing it. He tends to really bring out the the worst, like, I guess, fight styles of his opponents. You know, I respect the hell out of Phil Davis. He's had a great career. Not the most exciting fighter in the world. And he tends yeah. to drag his opponents into that kind of fight, slowed down, grapple mm-hmm. heavy. And that's fine. That's well and good. But Yoel Romero is coming off one of the worst title fights in history against the Adesanya. I can't, I don't think this guy can afford another stinker (laughs) like that. Yeah. And that's really what's at risk here, in my opinion, because this is Yoel Romero's debut at 205 pounds going up against a big 205 pounds. Oh yeah. And because of that, I mean, Yoel Romero, who was used to being one of the largest middleweights there are. And, Therefore, being always the guy with the strength advantage, with the, um, I guess, just overall, just being able to bully people, that he doesn't have that anymore. Yeah. Even right away against Phil Davis. Phil Davis is the bigger guy. He might be the stronger guy. And when it comes to grappling, I'm not even going to entertain it, Dom. I know you have. I'm not entertaining you over Romero's grappling. He doesn't do it. I know. He doesn't wrestle. crazy. As good as it is, he doesn't use it. So I'm not I'm not even going to entertain it. Bill Davis, though, I think could potentially take this fight to the ground. It just depends on how powerful he is compared to Yoel Romero at 205 pounds. I'm just saying that Yoel's going to have to get used to that size difference in the cage. Yeah. And if he doesn't figure it out quickly, he might find himself on his back or being you know, kind of beat up in some sort of um, I don't know. Just I. The more I think about this fight, I get a little nervous. I just I'm a little nervous for you, Romero. And I'm not saying you know Phil Davis wins. That's huge for him and could oh yeah potentially put him back in line for a title shot as well. But you know we we do want to see you, Romero, look good here. I mean, there's a lot of big fights for him out there in Bellator, including the one that we missed out on against. Anthony Rumble Johnson. Of course. I just, I'm not feeling super confident that we're going to get 
that kind of performance we need to, I guess, show that Yoel Romero is ready to headline another card or fight for a title or right. this or that. We might get a very boring fight here. That's just the reality. You know, I appreciate the honesty and the interesting take, though, because you really never know. So, we'll yeah, see. I mean, if you all goes in there and just fucking knocks his clock off in the first <laughs> couple minutes, then hey, man, there you go. I there, mean, that's yeah. that Yoel is totally capable of doing that. You know, when he did it to Chris Weidman, yeah, most people thought it was impossible. I know Chris Weidman has since kind of gotten knocked out a few times, but at that time, nobody thought Chris Weidman was capable of being finished like that yeah and then he just flying knee to the head come on dude you romero is he's electric he's electric yeah. one of my favorite fighters of all time so i'm totally gonna be kind of in his corner here i'm just this is a for for bellator to make this his debut fight i think is a risky move <laughs> to say the least not only and i'm just not even talking about a loss i'm just i'm more concerned with a dull fight yeah even if he wins, if he wins in a dull fight, like let's say it's him and Adesanya basically bad, but he wins. I mean, is that really a win at that point? Like, what do you do with right. him after that? I don't, I don't know what you, it's not going to make me excited to watch him in his next fight. Yeah. Just, you know, just talking, you know, I'm venting aloud a little bit, but it's all right. Yeah. So um, I guess, Dominic, do you feel like when it comes to this matchup that the winner, should be next in line for a title, or do you feel like since we're in we're in the semifinals now, I believe the final four yeah. of the Grand Prix, so we're gonna have a couple guys that are gonna be losing, right? And ultimately, that'll match up the championship, I guess, final. So, do you think the winner here fights one of those losers, or do you think they really do just wait it out for the winner of the entire Grand Prix? I'd like to think that the winner of this one may get one more fight in before a title fight. I mean, we'll see. I guess it all just does come down to how the Grand Prix plays out, if anybody's injured, how long the fights go, or damage, all that stuff. But, like, say Rumble were to lose, um, and then win or lose for Yoel, you could still make that fight, especially coming off of a win. So, yeah, I definitely see uh, the winner of this getting one more in just because the Grand Prix is still playing out. One more against one of these guys that lose out of the Grand Prix and then kind of sit pretty and wait for the champion of the uh, tournament. So, All right, I like that. I do like that. Let's move on to the UFC. Yeah, this is actually one of those rarities where Bellator and UFC are competing for the weekend. Yeah, the same um, night, both aren't on they? Saturdays. So um, we, we've, we've mentioned Yoel Romero. We think Bill Davis is the biggest fight of the weekend, but no slouch following behind is yeah. Anthony Smith. In his UFC leading eighth main event since July 2018. It's crazy, man. Going up against Ryan Spann, who was making his first headlining appearance in the UFC. Yeah. So, Dominic, that that in itself tells a story. <laughs> Anthony Smith, this is no – like, this is a guy that's going to be used to this moment here. Yeah. Being headlining – where the lights shine brightest, you know, we've seen him win and lose in that situation, but I don't think it's going to be a, a mental, uh, I don't think there's going to be any sort of mental uh, negatives to, for him coming in here. Yeah. Ryan Spann, on the other hand, has been a guy that's had an iffy run 
and is ultimately kind of being put into a headlining spot where really, I don't know if he's really earned that kind of credibility yet. So it's a big test for him here. How do you see this fight playing out? And what's really at stake for both guys here? So uh, this fight is really hard for me because it's just Smith, Anthony Smith, is seemingly just so good everywhere. He He's a guy that has a lot of power and very technical boxing and striking, very long, rangy. He's a guy that's a low-key 6'4". Like you, you look at him, you're like, eh, you wouldn't think it for whatever reason, but when he fought John Jones and he's looking him eye-to-eye, you're like, wait a minute, this guy's pretty damn big. So it was well, because he used to fight at middleweight too, which is crazy. But anyway, the size of Anthony Smith paired with his abilities here. And Ryan Spann, they call him Superman for a reason. This dude is a humongous man, six foot five, 79 inch reach. Another guy that has good striking. He's powerful, but man, on the ground, he's an ace. He's got 11 submissions. You don't see that a lot in light heavyweight, but so does Anthony Smith, man. This guy has some of the most low key, underrated jujitsu in the game. Um, and then he had that submission win in his last out, or not his last outing, but uh, when he submitted Devin Clark, he had his last outing was Jimmy Crute. But he's looked good lately. He's looking to make it three straight wins here. And the way that these styles kind of clash here is so hard for me. I know we don't make predictions, but just in my head, as I go through what can happen, there's so many intangibles. Because on the feet, I feel like they're pretty even. They're both long, both rangy, both have good striking. On the ground, I feel like they're equally as capable uh, offensively and defensively. So what are we going to get here between these guys is the biggest question for me uh, in terms of what could come next. I mean, Anthony, again, it's title gatekeeping is a tough job and we're not saying it as a slight to him because it's a guy that's been there, fought for the title, had a skid. He's fighting back. Now he's got his last two fights were against prospects. Essentially Devin Clark's not a prospect. He's been in the UFC for a while, but he was trying to enter into that top 10 of the division. And then Jimmy crew, one of the biggest prospects in all of the UFC right now, and now he's getting Ryan Spann, who is a former contender series guy. He's 5-1 and one in the UFC, so he's had a <clears> decent <throat> amount of fights, but by far the biggest test. So is he going to let this younger up-and-comer pass him and get into the rankings, or is Anthony Smith going to stop another hype train, quote-unquote, and then can he get back into that contender talk? Uh, and then, obviously, Ryan Spann, as Noah already hinted, it's by far his biggest test yet. Uh, can he pass? Uh, with flying colors, can he crack into that top ten? Can he prove that although he is five and one, there is this strange kind of aura surrounding his career uh, and kind of where he is at in his uh, in this stage? So uh, can he show out in his first main event? Uh, that's the biggest question here on both sides of the coin. So it's a very interesting spot. Uh, I don't want to throw hate on it because Anthony Smith, a guy that been in plenty of main events, but he's usually usually in pretty fun fights. And Ryan Spann, you got to get him into a main event on a fight night at some point in their career. So why not do it here against Anthony Smith in the biggest spot of his uh, young UFC tenure? So uh, I'm excited for this one, man. <coughs> yes. Oh, excuse me. As good I intro cough, to your thoughts. Once again, cough into the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, I like your thoughts. I am excited for this fight. I definitely think that there is a lot at stake here for both guys. But let me start by saying that I understand the criticism of this being the main event for this card. I know Anthony Smith has kind of proven to be, I guess, a main eventer um, mm -hmm. that the UFC trusts. But when I look at like these fight night headliners, I don't. I I guess for me, 
I always feel like if you're if you're being put in a main event spot, it's because maybe you're a former champion or um, they're looking to see how you do in five rounds. Mm-hmm. But you know, I always feel like there should be a purpose for getting the main event spot. I don't really see what Anthony Smith's purpose is in being in the main event here. Ryan Spann, while I've been a little underwhelmed with him so far in his career, I understand the, the I guess, since he's being matched up with Anthony Smith, that they kind of feel like, well, we're already testing him in one way. We're giving him his toughest test to date, Anthony yeah. Smith. Why not test him in another way and make right. it five rounds? Um, will it even go that long? Who knows? But I'm just saying I understand from – that perspective. I'm if Anthony Smith was facing if if Anthony Smith and Jimmy Crute, the fight that already took place, if mm-hmm. that was this fight, this main event would make a lot more sense to me. Because I think Jimmy Crute just has a higher ceiling than Ryan Span. Okay. I'm just not I'm not huge on Ryan Span, to be honest with you. That's if Ryan Span comes out here and looks fantastic, that'll shut me up and be like, okay, that fight was worthy of being in a main event. They they mm-hmm. saw something I didn't. But um, that's enough of that, I guess. In terms of the fight itself, I you're right. It's a tough fight to predict because yeah. both guys are kind of tough to evaluate sometimes. Both are, I would say, really good on the ground. Mm-hmm. Even though Ryan Spann leans on it more, Yeah, Anthony Smith is very underrated on the ground. That's yeah. constantly, we're constantly going to bat for his <laughs> jiu-jitsu, it feels like. On the feet, I would I would say Anthony Smith is the better striker. I just think Ryan Spann might carry more power. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's going to be the story here because Anthony Smith, and this is not the I guess most foolproof way to evaluate. I te- I lean a lot on that Alexander Rakich fight. That fight, that fight did a lot uh, for my evaluation of Anthony Smith. And I'm I know that wasn't a good fight for him. I'm not saying that like I don't. Anthony Smith is a great fighter and should be treated as such, but that fight definitely showed me where I think a lot of his weaknesses lie. And I think a lot of times it's when he's going up against a bigger, stronger opponent who really, if if Anthony Smith can't, I guess, implement his game plan first, he's going to get bullied. You know, he's not a big guy at light heavyweight. He's tall. You're right. But yeah. he was a former middleweight. He's he yeah. is undersized as a light heavyweight, and Ryan Span is the same type of matchup here, where he's not the he's not going to be kicking Anthony Smith's legs off like Rakich did. <laughs> it's a different matchup, but it's in terms of pure athleticism and size. Yeah, Ryan Span has a clear advantage, and he's going to have a power advantage. It's just going to be a matter of how Ryan Span uses it. Because I think there is a route for him to win here by using those attributes. Mm. You know, Anthony Smith doesn't love doesn't love being hit with the power. He doesn't love, you know, he's Lionheart for sure. He's got a lot of heart, a lot of a lot of will to keep going. But he, you know, he wilts a little bit when he gets hit with the hard shot. When he, yeah, when his legs get beat up a little bit, you know, it, that rakish fight just did a lot for me and being like, wow, he. He really just doesn't look like he wants to be in there anymore. That was yeah. a big realization, I think, in that in that fight. And he even said afterwards he was considering going back to middleweight. So I, while I don't think it'll be a mental game in terms of Anthony Smith won't be afraid of the moment, mentally, though, 
I wonder how strong can he be if he if he starts getting hit with some hard shots from Ryan Spann. You know, will he right. wilt under that pressure? Uh, Ryan Spann is just a an athletic freak. He's so fast, so powerful, so explosive that um, that's where I think this matchup really kind of starts to take shape. Yeah. Anthony Smith used that veteran quality to really find his path to victory and just, you know, exploit the younger, lower fight IQ uh, mind of Ryan Span. Or will Ryan Span's pure athletic dominance here, or athletic advantage, I should say, and explosiveness, be able to wilt Anthony Smith under the pressure? Fair evaluation. But I'm very much, I'm very much looking forward to finding that out, though. I oh, just yeah, think if, if Ryan Span fails to live up here, I'm not saying he has to win, but even if he if he just doesn't show me anything in this fight, right? I'm just gonna wonder why this was a main event, truthfully. Just yeah. because I feel like we know what Anthony Smith is at this point. For sure, for sure. You know, eight main events, like I think we've it's very clear what type of fighter Anthony Smith is. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy fighting for a belt again, but he is. I mean, I guess maybe he could, but I, I'd find it hard to believe he's going to be able to get past, you know, after the rakage fight. Like, I just don't think that top of the heap is – this yeah, is where his tough. ceiling is, in my opinion. He's, like, ranked six, and that's why gatekeeping has kind of been his role ever after that back-to-back losses to Glover Teixeira and – um Rakage. Rakage. He did fight the unranked Devin Clark and then yeah. followed that up with um, was Jimmy Crute, who was ranked yeah. like 14th going in or something. Now it's number 11, Ryan Spann. Right. I think that's a good way to handle Anthony Smith right now. I mean, really let him get his confidence back, work his way up. Mm-hmm. But this this is a tough fight, I will say. It just I think both guys have clear advantages over the other, and that's always fun. Well said, Noah. I like your viewpoint there on kind of how you view these fight night headliners. I do. I've never really dug into your brain there and your thoughts. So, thank well, you, you know for what's sharing. what's weird, and I'll I'll actually we can talk a little bit about that. I didn't really get that. Like, I so I was sitting there, and I'm like, why does this main event feel weird? I'm like, why am yeah. why do I like? There was a part of me that was like, like, why do I feel disappointed that Anthony Smith is in another main event? Like, why am I kind of feeling a little bit? Um, underwhelmed by an eighth Anthony Smith headliner. Right. Like, does it really matter? I'm like, you mean he's a good fighter? I like the guy. And then, so I just started thinking, like, and it's like, well, I guess in a sense, main events are meant to be like a test, or there, there's a, there's supposed to be something, I guess, to follow. Almost. Yeah, to prove. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. feels like Anthony Smith is kind of stagnating as a, a headliner on fight nights and. I just feel like that's a weird spot to put him in. Like, why? Yeah. Why can't he open? I mean, I know he did open up the pay per view at with two sixty one, but again, that's a fight that I think could have been a headliner. Yeah, I think yeah. it's weird that Span is kind of the one given the the opportunity here. At least that's how it feels on paper. If Anthony Smith goes out there and you know has a performance like he's had in his last two fights, that might be what people need to be like. All right. Give him another shot he's so back, show he's yeah. a contender, you know. So yeah, it's it's an interesting fight for sure. And I think, truthfully, even though you all Romero, Phil Davis is the bigger fight. If I was a betting man, if I had the opportunity, I guess to bet on this kind of, 
I would bet yeah. Smith Span will end up being a better fight than mm. Romero Davis. Okay, okay. So um, not the poo anymore on Romero Davis, but <laughs> there it is. Stay tuned on Monday for our findings. There. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. Can't yeah. wait to be proven wrong. Anyways, <laughs> let's get to the rest. We're doing the an rest. interesting, interesting thing here with the rest, aren't we, Dom? Because we are. Um, we're just going to test this out, see how it flows, and maybe <laughs> we may never do this again. So usually the rest is an opportunity for us to talk about other fights on these cards that maybe aren't worth that we don't think are quite headliner worthy, but um, you know, still we'll worth talk talking about. about. Yeah. But um, we're trying that again today, but with news stories as well, just because we had a lot of news on this episode. I think it's important that we include some of these, but not necessarily need to give them their own headlines. So it's not just yeah. like eight headlines worth of news, because I just don't feel like we'll talk enough about either of these, yeah. but we'll see. So we'll start with the news part of the rest. And it's going to start with Joseph Benavidez, who has retired from professional mixed martial arts. Dominic, it's a sad day. It is. Do you have a Do you have a favorite Joseph Benavides fight or moment to perhaps oh. that you go back to? Man, honestly, just because I wasn't big, I feel like some of his best <clears throat> biggest moments were like the WEC days. So I can't like relate too much to those because just because when I was younger, I didn't really watch the other promotion so much as the UFC. But it's more so just remembering him as an OG in a real what's the word I'm looking for I'm blanking on the word maybe I'll think of it but Contender, uh, just, like no uh, not even that but like a guy that carried these lower weight classes for a long time when they were very a pioneer of the yeah. lower weight classes thank you because a guy that was a former bantamweight and was damn good there and then came down to flyweight and has always been a perennial contender multiple title fights multiple Great contest with Demetrius Johnson, Figueredo, you name it. This guy's fought the top guys of the flyweight division and even at Bantamweight. So just a guy that was always in these dogfight, back-and-forth wars. He's not afraid to go in there, go out on his shield. Um, a great grappler, a great stand-up fighter. Just a guy that was so good everywhere and uh, just did a lot for those lower weight classes, especially during the days where all the attention was on the bigger guys or – you know, the light heavyweights, the heavyweights, or even Anderson Silva days at middleweight. But then there's this guy in Joey B fighting at 125, 135, always putting on electric performances. So a true legend. I mean, he holds all these records, the most fights in flyweight history, most wins in flyweight history, most knockouts, so on and so forth. So uh, a true pioneer, a legend of the the little guys, quote unquote. We show him love all the time on this podcast when others don't. And we do it again here with Mr. Joseph Benavides. Yeah, the one, the only feat that ever escaped him was winning that big title in the UFC. Yep. Had four opportunities, man. That guy's that guy's been kind of at the top of this division longer than the champions have been. It seems yeah. like you know, yeah. As you've seen, Mighty Mouse get traded to one FC, Henry Cejudo retire. Benavides was still there through both of those. Yep. And then obviously with the Davison fights. So, I mean, a way he kind of his. I guess the respect and admiration we all had for Benavidez as a flyweight is kind of what made those Davison wins so impactful the way that mm -hmm. Davison won both of those being in such a brutal fashion. I mean, that's that <coughs> excuse me. Let it out. Let it out. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. 
I'm dying, guys. Um, that just, I think, played a big part in it. And yeah. how we Davidson got built up to be almost like a star was because Benavidez very respected. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out to Benavidez for his fight with Dustin Ortiz on the first ESPN card. I thought that was a banger of a fight that probably won't get it shine it's on shine. any highlight yeah. packages. But <clears throat> Dustin Ortiz, a guy who got cut by the UFC for God knows what reason, but. Um, <laughs> That was a fight that I remember really enjoying on that very first ESPN card. There you go. So, Dominic, I'm going to let you introduce Nate Diaz, Vicente Luque, while I go cough up a lung real quick. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, essentially, as we all know, after Luque's last outing uh, against Chiesa, he essentially called for Nate Diaz. He's a top five guy right now, um, but it's a guy that's always in these fun back-and-forth bangers, and he wants that with his opponents as well. So he's saying, you know, I want to be that guy that interests Nate Diaz. Cause you always hear Nate saying, I want these real fighters, these guys that are going to go out there and either get knocked out or knock you out. Um, so essentially what had happened recently this week on Twitter was Nate Diaz quote tweeted that post fight interview with Vicente Luque and essentially called him out. I don't remember the exact tweet. Noah might have it pulled up. If not, it's okay. But he called out essentially Vicente Luque and, you know, shout out to Nate for doing this, by the way, because a guy that is usually in these money fights, quote unquote, but recently, like the Leon Edwards fight, not a money fight, but a guy that he thought was a really good fighter and he wanted to test himself against. And it's the same way here, going up against Luke, who I think is way more dangerous than Leon in terms of finishing prowess and capability. So uh, this fight is fireworks. I, I think this makes a lot of sense. It would be Luke's biggest fight of his career and if he can't get into the top contenders right now because they're booked why not and if you're the ufc you got to think well we love nate diaz he's a marketing machine we get a bunch of eyes on the sport when he fights but by the way if he beats luke he's technically a top five guy so uh, i think it's an incredible fight it's a violent fight it's fan friendly and i'm all for it man i don't know if we'll get it by the end of the year just because nate is such a big name and the end of the year is really full right now but maybe the beginning of 2022, we see another five-round Nate Diaz featured bout, ladies and gentlemen. Did you guys hear that outside? That's a, someone there mowing grass out there, so that's fantastic. Oh, so nothing good coming your way right now. No, nothing good. That's why I'm coughing, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't hear it much for what it's worth. So Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, you kind of answered the question I would have asked you if I wasn't uh, coughing up a lung, if my yeah. lung wasn't seeping out my ass currently oh, i would have asked you <laughs> i would have asked you this question just if this fight made sense and yeah you know i think it does i i like it in a sense mm-hmm. it's nate diaz is unranked but i think we all kind of know that he probably is a top 15 welterweight um at least i would like to think so it's a tough division yeah. but i mean nate diaz has been there done that with the best of them and um Sorry, my computer was kind of spazzing out. Everything's you're going good. weird on here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you're right. It was really refreshing to see Nate Diaz go up against Leon Edwards. You know, yeah. I I thought Leon Edwards was crazy to be continuing to kind of poke that bear. I just didn't think that bear was ever going to wake up and be like, yeah, sure, you're worth my time. But it happened, and Leon did get a big win, even if it, you know, <laughs> nearly went went awry in the last 60 yeah. seconds. But Luke, I noticed he'd been calling out Nate for a long time, even before the Leon fight 
had happened. Basically, his last two or three wins, Luke has said, I want to fight Nate Diaz. And I was yeah. the first time or second time I heard it, I was like, oh, you know, I like Luke and that's that'd be a fun fight. I'm like, but that ain't going to happen. Now, I, I don't see why this fight's not booked already. Right. What are we waiting on? They both said they want to fight each other. Mm-hmm. Just put it on a date. It doesn't matter. Just put yeah. it on the end of the year card. I know it's stacked. <laughs> Give us they another one. Fight. They want to fight. Yeah. Like just put it on a card. Like I don't I don't know what we're waiting on here. Like they both guys keep saying, Yeah, we both want to fight each other. Send the contracts. Let's do it. <laughs> this fight's gonna be awesome. And you know, truthfully, that's a tough fight for Nate Diaz. That might be a tougher fight for Diaz. No, oh, I don't know if it's tougher than the Leon one. It's it's a different style. Yeah. Like I think Luke is more capable of doing damage right. to Nate than Leon was, but also I think Luke is more capable of receiving damage from Nate yeah. than Leon was. So it's a it's a dual edged sword there, but I I do think we'll end up seeing this fight. I just don't know what we're waiting on. Why hasn't it already booked? Regardless. Say less. I didn't put a I didn't put this on there. <laughs> So, uh, Dominic, who would win in a fight, uh, Conor McGregor or Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> oh, boy. All right, we'll skip over that one. If you okay. Want to. I, just, <laughs> I, I realized that I, I wasn't actually intending to talk about it. I was going to make a joke where I, like, pretended to introduce it and then just skip over it, but I figured you would uh, be really confused if I didn't lay you in that's, on That's it, basically so. what just happened, so we're good. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Um, that's all for like news parts here, but we do have a few more fights to talk about from that UFC card this weekend, a card that a lot of people haven't been too high on, but you know, when you really dig in here, man, there's a lot of good fights. Yeah, I agree. And it might be the worst poster in UFC history, but (laughs) not the worst card for sure. Yeah. Um, however, one of those stronger fights I wouldn't say is in its co-main event. You know, it's an interesting co-main event. You got Kudalaba, Jan Kudalaba and Devin Clark, two guys who are kind of kind of fizzled out a little bit. Both mm-hmm. have been in high-profile fights, I guess, for their placement on cards. You know, Kudalaba had that run with uh, Magomed Ankalaev. Mm-hmm. That was just, I don't even know what happened there. Just yeah. madness. And then um, Devin Clark obviously got put into a main event slot with Anthony Smith. So, both have kind of had their faltering moments in high profile fights, but both capable of very fun performances as well. Yeah. Um, Kudalaba is going to be the bigger guy here and the more aggressive fighter for sure. Uh, Devin Clark, probably the more poised and collected. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see kind of which style ends up taking place more often. Do you get a more patient fight? Or does this fight just turn into a wild brawl? You know, which guy is able to drag the other into their world? You know, hundred percent. I mean? Yeah, I I would add more to that fight, but that's exactly what I was going to say. Kudalab is going to come out and try and take Devin's head off, or Devin's going to try and really slow it down and uh, make it his pace over the course of three rounds. Is how I see that one. So yeah, yeah. Kudalab is one of the reasons why it's unfortunate we do this before weigh-ins and face-offs and all that because. Kudalaba always be causing some problems at these faceoffs. He when he grabbed <laughs> Dustin Jacoby, but that was just what the yeah. fuck was going on when, there? When, was, when he scared Khalil Roundtree, when he just like, yeah. yelled in his face randomly. Yeah, he's in fun faceoffs. <laughs> yeah, um, 
The fight that I'm most excited for outside of the main event, though. This is fun. Lightweight division. This fight has some big implications. Armand Saryukin and Christos Iagos mm-hmm. go head-to-head. Uh, Saryukin has a lot of expectations here. He is ranked now at this point, ranked 14th in the division. But still, for a guy that's ranked, he's still really trying to get that 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 big win. And mm-hmm. Iagos isn't necessarily that guy, but they're both in similar places, so – um, this really could end up being kind of a, you know, just a highlight reel or not a highlight reel. It's a, if either guy here shines and puts on an awesome performance, it's going to be that propelling moment that sends them into probably greener pastures, bigger fights ahead, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and they're both so well-rounded here, man. And the fact that Armin's only 24 is so crazy to me. Yeah. He just feels like he's so seasoned and experienced already. I mean, he does have a lot of fights. He's 16-2, and two, but now he's really riding hot. He's on a three-fight win streak, but Giagos is on a two-fight win streak. Again, a, a good fight for where these guys stand in their careers. Who's going to kind of take that next step and potentially get that biggest fight of their career? Because I guess for both of them, this kind of is right now their biggest fight, but it's not anything too crazy. But winning this could really set them up for that fight they're looking for. So yeah. I, I do like this one. They're on the main card. You know, they're yeah. getting that shine. But I do think a big win here could really send them into those like big fights that we think they are deserving of. You know, for sure. The winner at least will get that. Um, also, I mean, if we want to keep going down here, Joaquin Buckley. Is Uh-oh. back going up against Antonio Arroyo. Antonio mm-hmm. Arroyo, contender series veteran who's yeah. had a tough run of things. He's 0 2 in the UFC, but those two losses are both to uh, decent opponents, I believe. I'll actually have to look that up while we're talking about this. But Joaquin Buckley looking for a big bounce back. Obviously, he won. We he got the Joey for knockout of the year for that knockout over Impa Kazaganai, who's also on this card, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But and then followed that up with another awesome knockout of um, I, I forget the guy's name, Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright, yeah, yeah. And um, then, however, he goes up against Alessio De Chirico, who looked like was on his last leg in the promotion. De Chirico head kicks him and knocks him out. So yeah, Buckley has kind of turned himself into a bit of a killer be killed type fighter. Um, he, you know, he faced Kevin Holland, got finished in that fight a, long, a while back, kind of before. Kevin Holland was Kevin Holland. Um, so Buckley's really kind of got that reputation now as like a guy who his fights are, you know, you blink and you might miss what happens, whether he's winning or losing. Um, and now against Antonio Arroyo, who has his back against the wall. Arroyo showed in his last fight with Darren Wynn, his takedown defense is just lackluster to say the best. Yeah. Yeah. However, that's, you know, he's not a grappler. That's, clear and Buckley is not going to be the guy in my opinion to take him down in this fight so because of that I think we're in for a really fun striking matchup um, one that I would probably side with Buckley on but I think Arroyo still hasn't gotten a chance to really show his full arsenal of weapons due to these kind of matchups with grapplers and whatnot so uh, I'm looking forward to that one for sure that one's a sneaky fight of the night type Oh, yeah. This is an absolute car crash head-on collision here between these two guys. And for Arroyo, I just must add, being 0-2, like Noah said, back against the wall, if he loses here, 
he may just be gone out of the UFC. So I'm looking to see if he may just have a little bit extra motivation to come out and really look for a big win against a guy who, while he's two and two in the UFC, is quite a big name in terms of unranked fighters in Joaquin Buckley. So uh, that is going to be very fun, very violent for however long it lasts, that is. Yeah, I'm going to let you kind of give your thoughts first on this one. The women's bantamweight fight, number 12 ranked, <laughs> wanked, <laughs> Fanny Kianzad and Raquel Pennington. Raquel Pennington being kind of the veteran of this division, yeah. while Penny's really on the best run of her career. What do you see with this one, Dominic? Is there is there any implications for the winner here that maybe they might be in for a big matchup next? Yeah, I mean – I think this is a big fight for Panny simply because while Raquel isn't ranked, which is strange, we talked about that off recording, but I don't want to get much into that. Uh, it's one of her biggest tests of her career because Raquel has been in there and done that with the who's who of women's MMA in the UFC and Invicta, before Invicta. I mean, she really is someone that has really been going out and putting on fights for years and years now, uh, super experienced. And for Panny, She's experienced as well, but she's on a four-fight win streak. She's really coming into her all right now in the UFC. So should he should she win here? Uh, I think there is a big top ten opportunity next for her. And truthfully, if Raquel wins, the same way because before she was taken out of the rankings, she was always a top ten person anyway. I think her most recent win was against Marion Renault last June. So it's not like she's coming in off of a loss or anything. She's not always in the funnest of fights. But that doesn't take away from, you know, who she's been in there with and the tough test she's had to pass. So I think this is a fun one. I'm glad Noah put it in here in the rest. I didn't expect him to. But I think it, it, there are some pretty decent implications here, especially for the winner. I mean, Raquel Pennington opened up the year 2020 in a co-main event against Holly Holm on a Conor McGregor card, the McGregor yeah. Cerrone card. So it's true. Um, you know, inactivity has costed her a bit here, but obviously a win here would boost her right back into that top 10 range so um you know it's a minor setback in my opinion for her but this is the opportunity she needs to kind of get herself back in there but panty is i mean that she's on the best run she's been on in her whole career at this point yeah you know she even when she was fighting for invicta she had a th three straight losses things like that you know hasn't had the cleanest of careers but right now she seems to be putting it all together at the right time exactly and um, I guess the last question here, Dominic, is there any other fights on this card that, you know, we haven't touched on yet that maybe viewers should be on the lookout for if they plan on watching this from top to bottom? If I got to give one other fight on the card, prelim to main card, this is a 15-fight card, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a long <laughs> night of fights. Thank goodness it's one of the early cards. But uh, I got to go the main card opener, Mike Rodriguez and Tafan in Chukwe. I think it's going to be a very violent fight. Tafan, a contender series alum. He did lose in his last UFC fight, but I think he's 5-1, and 6-1. So he's only got one loss. Mike Rodriguez, always in fun, uh, barn burner style fights. I think that's going to be a low-key banger uh, in that light heavyweight division to kick off the main card. Yeah, Tafan and Chukwe, that... He showed how green he was in his last fight, but mm -hmm. that's why each time he comes out, you got to watch him because he's going to be growing a lot. Oh, yeah. by performance. So uh, definitely watch out for that one. Mike Rodriguez as well, a guy that always comes for a good banger. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and Chukwe might, you know, in his last fight, he seemed a bit hesitant to get into the firefight. So I'll yeah. see if Mike Rodriguez can maybe bring that out of him. The fight for me is going to be the one I already mentioned, Impa Kazaganai, Carlston you Harris. Have to. I know Dominic would have probably mentioned this one if we hadn't talked about it off camera. 
Um, Kazaganai and Harris, these are two guys that both are just fucking killers right now. And Kazaganai is looking better than he's ever looked. And again, another uh, contender series guy mm-hmm. had a decent run at 170 pounds until he was on the receiving end yes. of the knockout of the year by Joaquin Buckley. So because of that, he's moved up to 185 pounds. His last fight, he looked incredible. Yes. Now he goes up against Carlston Harris, who is the veteran of the two, has more fights of the two, I believe. Um, a guy in his own right that's been on a nice win streak who's looked good in his UFC performances thus far. Um, this is just going to be an all-around fun fight and one that I'm going to be looking to see kind of where it shows Impa's at right now. Is he is he going to soar through this fight? And I'm going to be like, whoa, yeah. this guy might be already top 15. Or is he going to have some stumble, you know, split decision type performance? And I'm like, all right, he's still got some growth to do. Or is he going to lose and be like, well, back to the drawing board? You know, there's right. there's a lot there's a lot at stake, it feels like, for him for the Kazagana here, for a guy who's so fresh and young into his career thus far. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for this quite long edition <laughs> of the MMA Weekend Preview. Give us your thoughts about all these fights. Um, any of the news stories as well. Uh, we'll tell you how to do that here in a second. Um, next week, I believe we'll be back on Monday and then um, probably back on Friday, potentially a Wednesday episode. Who knows? You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we're always sneaking. We're always, you know, we just sneak dropping. them in nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter. On Instagram at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, engage, interact with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to the link tree, which provides you that. a list of links to all the platforms the podcast is on, including but not limited to except it kind of is yeah. the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Yep, there you go. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Shout out. Uh, the first link, leaving a voice message. Do it. We're sick of asking. Do it. Well, I guess we don't really ask. We kind of just tell you guys. So if you have a thought about an upcoming fight, news story, if you just want to say hi or tell us we're a piece of shit, do it nicely there. Or don't. Preferably nicely. If you're, yeah. if you're a little sassy, I'll, I'll handle it. All right? Yeah, true. Or there's another link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, uh, whether it be getting better internet <laughs> or uh, perhaps uh, – so me and Dominic can uh, be more alert, get us some pumpkin spice lattes before the episode? I don't know. Oh. It Just is spooky season. It is. We are nearing, we're nearing that time of year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can do all that. Again, if you go to my bio, Twitter, Instagram, at ntbaker underscore. But that's it. We're out. We'll see you all on Monday. See ya.